Hi there, welcome back. Doing some cleaning up. And election subversion last week tonight with John Oliver four days ago. <laughs> We're actually going to dive straight into our main story tonight, which concerns voting. A practice that was once sold to youth with the slogan, vote or die. And given the state of politics right now, for the first time, I'm requesting more information on the second option. <laughs> Specifically, with the midterms now just two days away, we wanted to focus on a dangerous trend among Republican candidates, denying the legitimacy of the last election. The fake news, big tech and blue state liberals. The 2020 election was a totally rigged election. In fact, quite frankly, every election since uh, George Washington has been some kind of defect in the system. You could say Biden won the presidency, kind of like OJ is innocent. I'll say this, those people are ridiculous, but they're having a really good time. Just check out this guy. I've never been as happy as he is hearing an O.J. Simpson joke in 2021. And I have two children. And the thing is, those people are not alone. A majority of Republican nominees for House, Senate, or key statewide offices this year deny or question this with the election results. And some, like this guy, deny it. They're trying to add a bit of spectrum. Hey, Colin, you pro-Trump America first trucker, running for Congress here in the Well, I understand though Joe Biden was in town yesterday talked about our list. The things that he and Kamala Harris called anyone who disagreed with the federal hijacking of this election are racist. Well, Joe, I got some news for you. Let me tell you what Georgians can really believe. You see, Georgians are sick and tired of weak-kneed, spineless politicians who won't fight for Trump get to the bottom of 2020 and fix our election. Well, if they won't do it, Mike Collins will. Send me to Washington. Okay. Two weeks to get this through there. Your brain wants to focus on pro-Trump, America first Trump, but then wonders, why is he dressed like the world's angriest target employee? Wait, is that a garbage can labeled voting machine? Then also labeled cast ballot, as if they knew that the first label wasn't convincing anyone, but thought that the second one might. Then it takes a minute to focus on the subtle but unmistakable edit points before the explosion, breaking the illusion that that was shot in a single take. Then finally, your brain says, hey, he opened with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris think I'm a racist. Did he ever close that loop or nah? And then, nah. Anyway, that man is completely ridiculous, and given the district where he's running, he's almost certainly going to win on Tuesday. But it is worth dwelling on the promise that he and those other candidates are making, that they are going to fix our elections. Because that speaks to a real problem here, which is that a troubling number of election deniers are running for jobs that can play key roles in administering elections in their states. In fact, yeah. over half Fucking the country scary. has an election denier running to oversee their election, and many of them are expected to win. And look, we talked before about voter suppression on this show, whether that's through voter ID laws, felony disenfranchisements, gerrymandering, or restrictions on mail-in voting. But those tactics take place before you cast your ballots. Tonight, we're going to focus on election subversion which typically happens after the votes are in. It's a strategy to negate legitimate election results by simply refusing to accept them. Trump famously 
try to subvert the last election. And some current candidates are promising that if elected, they'll be able to guarantee a certain result in the future. Take Jim Marchand. He leads the America First Secretary of State Coalition. And if they win, he's been pretty clear about what that would mean. When my coalition of Secretary of State candidates around the country get elected, we're going to fix the whole country. And President Trump is going to yeah, be president fixed. again in 2024. Oh, that message. Also, it probably doesn't hurt because it's coming from a guy who looks like a smaller, paler version of him. Just look at that man. He looks like the Pokemon that Trump evolves from. So if the plan is this over, and with potential consequences this dire for this election, the next election, and way beyond. Tonight, let's talk about election subversion. To understand what we're facing, let's revisit briefly some of the chaos following the last election. As you undoubtedly remember, after Trump's loss, he tried a lot of tactics to swing things back into his favor, including calling Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State of Georgia, to ask him to just a small favor. So, look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find... Uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more that we have, because we won the state. It's still incredible to listen to that, and a cold chill ran down my urethra, merely hearing his voice again. Seemingly forgetting at one point both how many votes he needs and the word votes. It's genuinely amazing to listen to someone attempt a coup with the same focused energy of a dad struggling to remember his family's McDonald's order. Yeah, uh, can I get a spicy, a uh, crisp, a crunchy chicken, and uh, two, just something called some of the baconator here. Are you the Whopper place, or are you the other one? Yeah, yeah, I'm in the wrong place, aren't I? Okay, got it. Fuck me! Now, thankfully, Raffensperger declined Trump's request, which left him to fight his battles in the courts, where he lost over 60 lawsuits challenging the election results. He then, famously, tried at the last minute to bully Mike Pence into refusing to certify Biden's win, including a phone call where Trump called him a wimp and the P-word, which I know is supposed to be pussy, but to be honest, the P-word sounds like the phrase Geppetto's therapist uses to talk about Pinocchio. <laughs> and while I'm sure that you remember all of that, there were also smaller, much lesser known <laughs> that people further down the chain also tried thumbing the scale, like in Michigan, where Trump supporters raised bullshit claims about voting irregularities in Detroit, and a Republican member of the County Board of Canvassers there proposed this simple solution. I would be open to a motion to certify the communities other than the city of Detroit. That move outraged the Democrats on the board and speaker after speaker on the board's public Zoom meeting. You have extracted a black city out of a county and said the only ones that are at fault at an issue is the city of Detroit, where 80% of the people who reside here are African-American. Right. I understand why he's upset there. Generally, when a white person says, I have a compromise and starts doing electoral fractions that count black people less, those haven't been great moments for democracy. Now, that woman later claimed that she merely wanted more investigation of those Detroit votes before she'd agreed to certify them. And while, after pushback from Michigan's governor and secretary of state, she ultimately voted to certify Biden's win, after Trump called her and a fellow Republican board member, they both tried, albeit unsuccessfully, to rescind their votes. Meanwhile, a few days later, at Michigan's state canvassing board, 
there was a similar stalemate. Its four networks were evenly split between Democrats and Republicans, one of whom refused to certify Biden's win, which meant it was all on this guy to do the right thing, which thankfully he did with this little speech. John Adams once said, we are government of laws, not men. And this board is to adhere to that principle here today. This board must do its part to uphold the rule of law and comply with our legal duty to certify this election. I will be supporting the motion. And that was it. A boring guy with glasses quoting John Adams upheld democracy. I'm just saying, get Bradley Whitford in there and add some stirring music and you've got the kind of scene that will make Aaron Sorkin come until he passed out. <laughs> and the thing is, those are clearly just two very local examples. But in state after state, we were very lucky that a small group of individuals in key positions stood firm. Arizona's Republican government does do things. was literally in the middle of certifying his state's win for Biden when he got a phone call from Trump. But he put his phone aside and continued signing the paperwork. And I have to say, watching someone screw your call is one of the most devastating things a human being can possibly experience. And I'm so glad that it happened to Donald Trump. So who is the guardrails to protect our democracy were heavily tested in 2020. While some major weaknesses were exposed, they thankfully held. But since then, there has been a concerted effort to attack the people and institutions who got into Trump's way, shifting the landscape in ways that could make future subversion attempts even more dangerous. Now, for one thing, the further around the election fraud has been stubbornly persistent, with a recent poll showing 61% of Republicans believe Joe Biden only won due to voter fraud. Which is just ridiculous, given it again. There is no evidence of that. Multiple states had exhaustive recounts. This has been mitigated. This just isn't one of those unknowable things that will never get resolved, like which one of the telecompanies, when cooked properly, would taste best. That we'll never know. Well, we don't know what you're thinking. It's what I'm thinking too. Should we just all say it at once? Poe! Exactly! Of course it's Poe! Every one of us is pretty sure that on a rainy day in January, absolutely nothing would taste better than some braised Poe over rice. With some ginger? With some wine? Of course everyone's pretty sure that the Poe that simmers for an hour and a half after getting properly blanched and caramelised would melt in your mouth on that January Sunday. Yum, yum, yummity yum! But, pretty sure isn't sure. He is. We will never definitively know because you can't eat teletubbies. There are laws, apparently. So all we are left with is gut instinct. Unlike election results, which are actually verified. Sleep with one eye open. You taste the cloud. Or have your thick salted thighs for my Christmas feast. But the thing is, if you're not a regular consumer of conservative media, you may not realise the extent to which Biden stole the election has taken hold and on the basis of incredibly flimsy evidence. Perhaps best exemplified by 2000 views, a documentary from conservative bullshit artist Dinesh D'Souza, which is just wall-to-wall nonsense. The 2020 elections were one of the most corrupt in history. See the proof for yourself. We tracked 2,000 mules making multiple ballot drops. 2,000 mules. The shocking new movie from Dinesh D'Souza. Philadelphia alone, we've identified more than 1,100 mules. What is a mule? 
person picking up ballots and running them to the drop boxes. This is not grandma walking her dog. Bad backgrounds, bad reputation. So intense. Mysterious handoffs in dark alleys, people with bad reputations. It's nice that we finally have an answer to the question, what if the wire was created by virgins? The, the central idea of this movie is the claim that there were vote mules who repeatedly visited ballot boxes and deposited suspect ballots. And that Dinesh and his friends have identified them using cell phone data. And it would take the rest of this show to debunk the movie's claims point by point. But very quickly, there is no way by just using cell phone data to know whether someone visited a Dropbox or was just in the vicinity of one, particularly since those boxes were installed in high traffic areas. Meanwhile, the only map that seems to show someone driving around dumping ballots is fake. And another map supposedly showing a Dropbox site is actually a stock photo of Moscow, with a third one just the same Moscow map again, but rotated 90 degrees. Uh. And finally, the whole theory rests on these mules repeatedly going to multiple drop boxes. But while they show lots of footage of drop boxes within the movie, none of them show the same person more than once. Instead, the filmmakers breathlessly scrutinize footage for clues that they claim, with zero proof, are evidence of crime, including voters wearing gloves, you know, during a pandemic, or taking photos as they deposit their ballots. I'm going to show you a full minute from the movie where they work themselves up over absolutely nothing. Okay, the next one. Yeah, so let me show you Dog Guy. So, Dog Guy, middle of the day. This is actually a polling place. So the people in line are waiting to go in and vote early. They're doing it the right way. Okay, now, now you've got some other people going to walk up. This lady doesn't care. But this guy, this next guy cares. He's watching the whole thing. The guy looks he's up, talks to him. Got the ballot under his arm already. Now he's got the rest that he pulled out of the bag. And he's going to get his camera ready to take the pictures as he puts them in there. If you consider the brazenness of this, right? This is the middle of the day. There's huh. people sitting there watching you cheat. Hey, man. People that are doing it the right way. It's difficult for them to know what to do, except observe and maybe say, what's going on? Here? What did I just see? They wonder, what does this all even mean if this is happening in broad daylight and nobody is doing anything to stop it? But that's not damning evidence. That is fully just anything. It's just someone voting. <laughs> and we need to be absolutely clear on something here. The guy in line that they're talking about, who's supposedly shocked about the voter fraud that he's witnessing, He's looking at the dock, as anybody would. The only reason I can focus on what's going on there right now is because thankfully they blurred that dog. <laughs> Otherwise I, like him, would be gawking at it and asking, who's a good boy until the polls close? This movie is astonishingly dumb, but it has a real following. At least 50 candidates have promoted or cited it. And it and conspiracy theories like it have contributed to what's been called a sea of pervasive distrust with deniers now channeling that distrust to burrow into every level of the election process. Take the very lowest one, precincts. They're small, neighborhood-level units centered around polling places. And political parties organize in precincts, and local governments hire and recruit poll workers there. Trump's allies have been working extremely hard to make sure that they are well-represented at that level, particularly Steve Bannon, who has made his precinct strategy a constant refrain. 
What we need right now, the way the Republican Party is structured, is that you can go to a precinct, become a precinct committeeman, and then you've got real, then you've got real standing. We're building an army of the awakened, and we are taking over uh, precinct strategies. We're taking over election boards, canvassing boards. We're flooding the zone with poll workers, poll watchers, election judges, people in the room. It's going to be MAGA in the room counting the votes because only MAGA can count fair. Okay, okay, set aside. Only MAGA can count fair. And just spare a moment for his room decal, which features an actual sign reading, there are no conspiracies, but there are no coincidences, a quote attributed to Stephen K. Bannon. And well, you might think there is nothing juicier than quoting yourself. It turns out you're wrong about that. It's doing that while also slightly trying to give your name a fancy makeover. Because Stephen K. Bannon, oh please Steve, no one is buying that because we look and the K is for Kevin. You're just making your name even sadder. But Bannon's strategy seems to have paid off. Potomac found last year that in 41 key battleground counties, there were at least 8,500 new Republican precinct officers or equivalent officials with no similar surge from the Democrats. Bannon and other Republicans have also been encouraging people to take on jobs in polling stations while issuing some troubling advice. At one training session, four poll workers and watchers in Michigan, run by a Republican activist group, participants were told to call 911 and contact sheriffs to involve law enforcement in any election-related complaints, which isn't great, is it? You should clearly only call 911 with an actual emergency, like, you know, a car accident or a break-in, or, or when someone takes off their shoes and socks on a plane. But yeah, uh, I know in the sky, but I'm asking you to get a police helicopter and shoot us down. And if you're thinking that election supervisors won't stand for shenanigans like that, you should know many have been driven away. One investigation found that in five highly contested battleground states, roughly one in three top election administrators left the job after the 2020 election. And when you consider the kind of personal messages that some received last time, you do understand why they may not want to do it again. This election is effing rigged. You all know it. And you are complicit as if. You lied. You're a traitor. Perhaps cuts and bullets will soon arrive. Here's my address. Eric, 234 years ago, the founding Caucasian fathers of America gave us the Second Amendment. Time's running out, Richard. We're coming after you and every motherfucker that stole this election with our Second Amendment. Subpoenas be damned. You're going to be served lead, you fucking, fucking enemy, enemy communist Holy shit, those messages are horrifying. And by the way, founding Caucasian fathers is just one hell of a phrase. Because it either comes from the mouth of a racist or someone with strong opinions on the casting decisions in Hamilton because they are a racist. Reuters actually identified more than 900 threats made against election administrators since the last election. So it is no wonder so many qualified people are leaving and their replacements are sometimes troubling. Take Nye County in Nevada, where their top county election official was replaced by this guy, Mark Kump, who not only said that he believed Trump won the 2020 election, he's also promoted 2,000 wheels and has amplified some of the baseless hysteria around Dominion voting machines. And look, we've addressed voting machines before on this show. They do have some vulnerabilities, but importantly, those vulnerabilities can be counteracted by having a physical paper trail and doing risk-limiting audits after the fact. Also, there is no proof that any machine have ever 
been compromised in a US election. But Trump defends election Wait, strongly. And France here. down the hallway for the ball, that squeaky ball. Who? Oh. <laughs> and then he walked by the chickens and squeezed and they were all like... Look, one's gonna look white. Over oh. here. And over here is like a... It's a bag. Huh? I don't know. Nest. It's a nest. nest. I think so. Fudge on it when fresh. If you don't believe the system was legitimate in 2020 and created an error where 30,000 plus votes were not counted in the state correctly, isn't that problematic? I don't see it as being problematic at all because I'm trying to increase voter confidence in the election. In the election space, the machines that count go through multiple layers of security. They are not connected to the internet. And this is regulated throughout the country. That's, that's a perspective. There are a lot of people, again, the voters in this county don't believe that. And whether it's true or not, their perception is their reality. Wow! Whether it's true or not, their perception is their reality. I've got to say, that is a risky start for a guy whose name is almost Mein Kampf. Again, it's literally not. But I've seen his name written down hundreds of times while working on this piece, and every single time my brain auto-corrects it to Mein Kampf, and eventually my perception will become reality. I'm just saying, if my last name were Kampf, I definitely wouldn't give my baby a four-letter name that starts with an M. It'd be, it'd be like meeting someone named Earl Harbour or Holly Court. It feels like their parents just went out of their way to fuck with them and all of us. Kampf has suggested that all ballots should now be hand counted. But experts will tell you that while hand counting is an important tool in recounting audits as a way of verifying the machine count, tallying entire elections by hand would cause chaos and make results less accurate, not more. And sure enough, early voting in that county has been a spectacular mess, with the AP observing two groups of five people spending about three hours each counting just 50 ballots, with mismatched tallies leading to recounts and occasionally more recounts. And one line is lamenting, I can't believe it's taking two hours to get through 25 ballots. And yet, if only there was a fucking machine that could help you guys with that. And, and that is just one election denier at a low level. We can happen. We could be in for a lot worse. Just look at Arizona, a state that Biden won by an extremely narrow margin. But, thanks to their then-governor doing one of the most brutal call screenings of all time, things didn't go off the rails. He is on his way out now, and the Republican nominee for replacement is running ads like this. Hi, Arizona. I'm Carrie Lake, the Trump-endorsed candidate for governor. If you're watching this ad right now, it means you're in the middle of watching a fake news program. You know how to know it's fake? 
because they won't even cover the biggest story out there, the rigged election of 2020. Okay, except every bit of that is wrong. The election was not rigged, and the news did cover both the recounts and the lawsuits. Plus, if you just saw that ad for the first time on this show, you're clearly not watching it on a fake news program. You're watching it because you left the TV on after the White Lotus. That is what is happening right now. And that ad, which includes footage from 2000 News, by the way, is actually tame compared to some of the other things that Laker said, because she's called for the imprisonment of the current Secretary of State and said that if she didn't win her primary, it'd be because there's some cheating going on, and then after winning it, if she says her supporters had simply outvoted the fraud. Which is basically, if I lose, it's rigged. If I win, it's fine. Meaning that she's approaching elections with the same objectivity and nuance of a five-year-old inventing a game in real time. The rules are simple. Whoever has the most tokens wins. Unless you have the most tokens, then it's who can hold their breath the longest. Unless you can, then it's a jumping contest. But it gets worse for Arizona because the Republican nominee for Secretary of State there is Mark Fincham, who, as you can see, wakes up every day to cosplay as a cowboy accountant. And he seems pretty unlikely to willingly certify a Democratic win in his state, given that he said this. Would you ever accept that a Democrat could win Arizona, or would you just not think that's possible? I have a hard time believing that's possible. Nah. Everywhere I go, the vast majority of people uh, still show support for President Trump. But and that might that just be because you are going to places where there are supporters of Donald Trump. Is there any chance a Democratic candidate for president can win Arizona in 2024? No! 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 Okay. I, I genuinely don't know what's more annoying there. The fact that he answered a legitimate question with a prop, or that he apparently tells people no so often, he needed a special fun button for it. Although between that, his talking Trump doll, and his novelty desk sign, it's slightly heartwarming to know that a Spencer's Gifts in Arizona is staying afloat thanks to the compulsive purchases of one supremely weird individual. But the thing is, Quiet Earp over there has openly told supporters in a fundraising email that if he'd been in power in 2020, we would have won, plain and simple. And in the defense, he even brainstormed one scenario of how that could have happened. Knowing what we know today, there are certain counties that should have been set aside as irredeemably compromised. Maricopa County was one of them. Yuma County was one of them. We have so many votes outside of the law. That's the question. What do we do with an election where we have votes that are in the stream that should not be counted? If you can't find the individual who is engaged in that behavior, Perhaps that county has had a defective election. Yeah, he just laid his plan out in front of everybody. Step one, identify two large counties, which, if removed from the count, would hand the election to Trump. Step two, remove them from the count. Now, is that a conspiracy to steal the election? Well, as we now know, there are no conspiracies, but there are also no coincidences in the famous words of one Stephen Kevin Bannon. And here is the thing, any one of the people that you've seen so far would be bad in the wake of an election. But in combination, things could get really rough because there are protections against one rogue official refusing to sign off on an election. They could be sued, and if they refuse, uh, they could be held in contempt of court. But experts warn that the ability of a governor or secretary of state 
to reject certification are significantly enhanced if others up and down the chain are of a similar mind. And to understand a potential worst case scenario here, let's put some of the people that you've seen tonight into a chain. Let's start with partisan poll workers, inspired by Steve Bannon, deciding that they've seen something fishy and calling 911. They then kick their claims up to a county clerk, like this guy, who's maybe willing to amplify a perception that's not a reality. That raises enough of this thing to people like the county board or the state board refuse to sign off on the results. And then the Secretary of State takes their side, refusing to certify the results, or even arguing that the results from certain counties are so cruel that the county's election has failed and therefore cannot be counted. Now, in that scenario, I would say a Republican state legislature could point to suppose irregularities in the conduct of the election and choose their own slate of electors to deliver a different result. And at this point, the law is a little fuzzy on what could happen next, because under the Electoral Count Act of 1887, if the state sent two rival slates of electors and the House and the Senate disagree on which one is valid, the one sent by the state's governor gets counted, which could be this person. Now, there would undoubtedly be lawsuits and the Supreme Court would step in, but also, you know, seeing as one of the justices as a wife who was part of the last attempted coup, maybe not. And I know this all sounds dramatic, and I do not want to be too alarmed. I don't mean to sound like Chicken Little here. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to look like him either, but some things are just out of our hands, aren't they? Because the odds of Carrie Lake unilaterally picking our next president are thankfully slim. But the odds of her and others like her being able to create a complete mess are significantly higher. Because everything that we've talked about tonight has the capacity to overwhelm our system, making it harder to certify elections quickly, leading to confusion, which sows doubt in the process, and in turn causes absolute chaos, which is very worrying given that we've all seen what confused but motivated people are capable of doing when they think the process is broken. And we may not have to wait until 2024 to see that chaos unfold, as the midterms themselves are turning into a clusterfuck. Vigilantes are already turning up as unofficial poll watchers at voting drop boxes. Meanwhile, some very prominent voices on the road have been priming people to contest any result on Tuesday that is not a Republican win. The Democratic Party has such contempt for voting and for democracy itself, and so much confidence in its ownership of the media and its attacks, that it no longer has to try to win your vote. They can even run mentally defective candidates who can barely speak, and not only expect them to win, but expect you to accept the outcome no matter how transparently absurd it is. Look, I get that at this point, Tucker Carlson is basically Coco Melon for bigots, but that is gross, even for him, from calling a stroke victim mentally defective to putting WIN in heavy quotation marks. And for the record, one of the big clues that these conspiracy theories are bullshit is that so many of them are predicated on the belief that the Democratic Party is well organized. Who on earth is stupid enough to buy that bullshit? What can we do here? Well, there are some obvious steps that we should take. On the first one, we absolutely have to fix the electoral count. The law whose vagueness allows for a lot of the suffering that I've just described. Both the House and the Senate actually have bills that have bipartisan support and would, among other things, close the failed election loopholes that might allow a partisan governor or state legislature to send whatever electors they choose. Even Mitch McConnell has supported the Senate version, so it actually might have a chance to pass. That is the one piece of good news in this entire piece. So I strongly suggest that you save it. 
But, but that is clearly not enough. Long term, we still need comprehensive voting rights reform, which is something we need to prioritise and fight for. But the first step, and I know the infuriating to hear, is for you to vote. We talked a lot about how part of the reason the Biden's victory wasn't stolen from him was thanks to the diligent work of a few people in key positions. But don't forget that the first part of why that was possible is that a lot of people fucking voted. And I get how ludicrous it sounds for someone to say, fix these significant roadblocks, keeping your vote from counting by voting. I hear it. I promise I do. Particularly if you're a member of one of the many communities like black voters, the disabled, the formerly incarcerated, and low-income communities who have long been sounding the alarm about all of this shit. And voting is not going to be enough on its own at every level of the process. We need people to show the same level of enthusiasm for preserving our democracy that others are demonstrating for dismantling it. And I am not saying it's going to be easy to match the energy of people fueled by bullshit documentaries flat-out lies, and the occasional exploding trash can. But it is really important to try. And to that end, we actually have a message that we'd like you to hear. Hey, Nick Offerman here. Actor, author, woodworker, and a man who can actually pull off a short-sleeved polo shirt without looking like my mommy picked it out for me. And this is a trash can. I've labeled it trash can because it is a trash can. I actually labeled it twice so there won't be any mix-ups. But obviously that's unnecessary because we're all adults who do know the difference between a trash can and a goddamn voting machine. <laughs> Far-right Republican extremists have been running their dry mouths claiming that any election in which they receive less votes than the opposition must be rigged. Well, I've got some news for you. Actual patriots are sick and tired of shameless opportunistic charlatans who invent dangerous conspiracies, peddle mendacious propaganda, and worse, censor good, good dogs. Because if you're afraid to show a dog's face, by God, I'm not. You can't stop us from showing dogs just like you can't stop us from voting. We're going to do it, not because it's fun, because it's not really fun, but because it's the right thing to do, America. And guess what? We're going to look one fuck of a lot better than you while we do it. One shot, no cuts. Vote. And that's our show. Thanks for watching. See you next week. Good night. Right, let's see what else is on here. Yeah.
Fox News calls Trump a loser. Protecting nature begins with you. Defend the natural world you love by donating to the Nature Conservancy. The Late Show, I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, citizen. It has been two days since the midterm elections, and the big political story today is that there is no political story today. Because we still, we still don't know. We don't know the big questions yet. That's all still hanging out there right now, right? We don't know who controls the House or the Senate, but results could come in at any time. So CBS News has given me this midterm buzzer, okay? And they promised this will go off. This will start vibrating as soon. Yeah. We, we acquired this. We acquired this technology from the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> this will vibrate as soon as our democracy is ready, or <laughs> my jalapeno poppers, whichever comes first. Put that right in there. Now, as of right now, uh, Arizona and Nevada's Senate races are still undecided, while Georgia is heading to a runoff on December 6th, which pits incumbent senator and choir teacher saying, I'm up here, Raphael Warnock against former NFL player Herschel Walker. <laughs> Seen here asking, hey, blurry blob, do these glasses I found make me look smart? <laughs> this is <laughs> my favorite. Still my favorite in a long time. So, hey, blurry blob. This is the race, Georgia. This is the race that could determine who controls the Senate. So both sides of the aisle will be pouring all of their resources into the peach state. But there's one specific resource the GOP would like to keep out of the state, and that's former President Scooby Douche. Here's why. Here's, here's why the nervousness, okay? The Republicans are anxious that the former president could poison the well with one insider saying he is toxic to a lot of Georgia voters. It's a distraction. Yes. They don't want the former president saying something stupid that could distract from Herschel Walker saying something idiotic. <laughs> and the other reason, the other reason they're worried about the former president sticking his mushroom cap into the door hinge of democracy is because they feel like he really screwed them in the midterms with his terrible candidates and his terrible candidates. So the right-wing news machine has begun to turn away from yesterday, Fox News and the Wall Street Journal. Then headlines calling him a loser. And today, the New York Post compared him to Humpty Dumpty, saying, Don, who couldn't build a wall, had a great fall. That's the New York Post. Wow. <clears throat> it's not a positive sign when a print newspaper calls you a failure. <sighs> it's like getting a... It's like getting a scathing critique from a rotary phone. <laughs> Yesterday, there was an evacuation order from Mar-a-Lago. This was because of a storm and not, as I assume, because of a toxic burger fart. <laughs> you see, at this morning, right? 3 a.m. this morning? At 3 a.m. this morning, Category 1 Hurricane Nicole made landfall not too far from the former president's home end club. But aides say the former president was not leaving, okay? But he's fine, okay? He had the staff board up all the windows of Mar-a-Lago with classified documents. Okay? And hold on, hold on. 
What's that? What? That? Oh, my buzzer. That's my buzzer going off. Do we have? Do we have House or Senate results? Ooh, even better. My jalapeno poppers. <laughs> This is going to change the balance of power in my tum tum. <laughs> I'm going to save that for later. <laughs> you know what's even better than jalapeno poppers? Room temperature jalapeno poppers. Mm. Mm. It may only be a matter of time, though, because some news outlets like Politico are saying that the GOP is still poised to capture a narrow majority in the House. I know, I understand the feeling, but in times like these, I remember the words of former President Obama. Don't move! Vote! But, <laughs> yeah. Well, we voted already, so go ahead and boo. If the GOP does take the House, the man expected to be in charge is current House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. Come on, you guys go to bed. Come on. Seen here describing Mitch McConnell's beautiful breasts. Okay, to be so stressed and overwhelmed that you feel like you need to talk to someone about it. And by that, I mean going to therapy. Lately, the Really just... Even though the GOP does not officially control the House yet, yesterday McCarthy formally announced his run for Speaker, which is no surprise because, according to some insiders, McCarthy has been measuring the drapes for years. And the interns in his office are already expected to call him Mr. Speaker. <laughs> Yikes! Having interns call you by a title you don't even have is pretty pathetic. I, uh, I have the ranch for your jalapeno poppers. Uh, Aragorn, son of Arathon, heir to the throne of Gondor and Arnor. Come on. What are you doing, girl? Come on, get to bed. And Gondor will answer. I, uh, I ordered the blue cheese. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Thank you, Maya. Maya the intern, everybody. Now, McCarthy... McCarthy should be careful what he wishes for because every recent Republican Speaker of the House has hated the job. GOP members are famously the most unpleasant people from every town in America. You think people like Marjorie Taylor Greene? They sent her to Congress to get her the f out of Georgia. And McCarthy, the thing is... Go on, go to bed. Even if he gets it. Even if he Get gets it, McCarthy's going to have no leverage. The House GOP shanked this election so Go bad on. that even if they win, they'll be left with a razor-thin majority. And you do not want to give these people razors. Or really, anything sharp of any kind. In exchange for voting for him, some far-right House members are pressing for a rule change that would make it easier to topple the Speaker. That's a shaky start to any relationship. It's like going on a first date and saying, it's so nice to meet you. I'm Brian, and this is Leonard, my divorce lawyer. In the tech world, there's an update on Meta CEO and man who told his barber, give me the terrible. Mark Zuckerberg 
Right now, uh, his company, Meta, is zucked because ever since Mark decided to go all in on the metaverse, Meta's value has plunged by $700 billion. As you can see, it's made Zuckerberg very upset. Go to bed. Or confused or happy. There's no way to tell. And with the company in a financial tailspin, yesterday they announced they're laying off 11,000 employees or about 13% of their workforce. Now, losing your job is never easy, but it's really bad when you get fired in the metaverse. Jim, we need to have a serious talk. Come on, Meet fuckers, on go to bed. Island. One, go to bed. Unfortunately, fortunately, Jim, we've had to make some staff go changes. Go to bed. Please follow Marcy from HR. Can't miss her. She's the nine-foot-tall office over there talking to all those crying rabbits. Why don't you hop on over? Meta's, get in there. Meta's not the only troubled social media company. There's also... There's also... There's also Twitter, which is now run by new CEO get in there. and... Come on. And ring bearer who threw a tantrum and swallowed both fans, Elon Musk. <laughs> Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion, and ever since, he's been desperate for a way to make that make sense. Get in there. First, he said it was going to charge $20 a month uh, for verification to anyone who wanted it, then changed that to $8 per month. That meant anyone could impersonate someone else for $8 a month without any vetting, which led to things like a fake official Nintendo account tweeting Mario flipping the bird. It's -a me, Mario! Every advertiser's a nightmare! Watch me slap my journals against this turtle. Let's go! <laughs> I'm gonna show the princess my peach. Come on! Lots of folks took advantage of being able Jump. to just buy verification, including the brand Dum -dum. new official Jesus Christ. Of course, this was there all you go, dumb dumb. the of Matthew when Jesus said, Come, follow me, and I will give you my hashtag hot takes on the Love is Blind finale. Twitter. Twitter quickly realized they messed up, so to differentiate between people who paid for a verified checkmark and actual verified accounts, they added a second gray official checkmark under the blue checkmark. But how will I know if that checkmark is officially checkmarked? I need to know if it's the real Captain Crunch asking for food tips. <sighs> but runs a tight ship. Captain runs a tight ship. Aye aye, Cap. But one day later, Twitter rolled back the gray check marks with Musk tweeting that he wants blue checks to be the great leveler. Oh, don't worry, Elon. I'm pretty sure you're gonna level Twitter. We got a great show for you tonight. My guests are Emily Blood.
right. Stuck on you. Yes, I'm on my way. Fresh off the truck. Bradley Hope inside the secret mission overthrow the North Korean regime. Hmm. 21 hours ago. Twitter Blue goes off the rails in Colorado to get licensed shrooms. Hey, this is what I do almost every weekend. Shop they voted down <laughs> Colorado. They voted down selling beer and wine in stores. But they voted to legalize hallucinogenics. <laughs> Start with that deal right there, or the one that I'm... Some Let's kick things off with the midterm elections. A night so disappointing for Republicans, Mitch McConnell is flying his jowls at half mast. <laughs> As of right now, there are several big races that are still too close to call. For instance, will Republican Adam Laxalt hold on to his lead in the Nevada Senate race? Will Lauren Boebert sleek, squeak one out in Colorado? Will election denier Carrie Lake accept the results if she loses the Arizona governor's race? Or will she try to hang whoever Arizona's Mike Pence is? Nobody knows. And one reason it's so hard to predict the results is that Americans are uh, 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 in so many different ways. And they all come in differently and separately, right? And Democrats tend to vote early by mail or Dropbox. Republicans show up on election day or use military ballots. And Herschel Walker votes the way he fathers his children, absentee. But there is one unfinished race that's not all that close, and it's a real trick. We are still watching Proposition 122, which appears likely to pass. And if it does, Colorado would essentially legalize psychedelic mushrooms. Passing the proposition would decriminalize personal possession right away, and then it would allow licensed medical facilities to administer the natural medicine starting in 2024. Wow. Yeah, that's right. Fucking After being right. one of the first states to legalize marijuana, Colorado is now one of the first states to legalize mushrooms. And I think it's great. I think well, it is. Oregon yeah, did it first. Of creating like a, instead of creating a drug underworld, Colorado is bringing everything out into the open. You know, you can legalize it. You can regulate it. It's like those parents who give their kids wine with dinner. You know, it's like, yeah, I'd rather they be drunk in front of me because it's safer. And also it's funny to watch them bumping into things. But I know right now, I know right now, there's some people Actually, seeing this new organization like, shrooms? We're going to be legal? What? And I'm like, hey, hey, just relax, relax. Breathe. You're going to be just fine. Just drink huh. more water. <laughs> and listen to some Enya, okay? Ow. Enya. 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 That's a weird name. I'm freaking out again. Ah! But personally, I'm all for drug laws getting less restrictive. And if they do officially legalize shrooms, I'm also excited for their next ballot measure. Why are my hands so big? <laughs> now, 
if we had more time, we could talk about whether the acceptance of recreational drug use can lead to increased understanding of the ther therapeutic value of psychedelics, or how weird it is that drugs are like the one illegal thing we get to vote on to make legal. You know, like, why don't we legalize jaywalking, or even better, jay driving? Why do the pedestrians have the sidewalks all to themselves, huh? But we don't have the time for any of that, because while the US is abandoning the war on drugs, Ukraine is still fighting its war with Russia. And its leader just got some really strange military assistance. The actor Sean Penn, most often doing the unpredictable, he did it again this time, loaning his Oscar to the president of Ukraine. But it comes with a condition. Video posted online shows Penn handing the Oscar to Ukrainian President Zelensky. He said Zelensky can keep it until Ukraine wins the war against Russia. Aww. Penn has visited Ukraine several times since the fighting began last February. If I know this is here with you, then I'll, then I'll feel better and stronger for the fight. So great, great I'm sure we will. When you, when you win, bring it back to Malibu. Correct. Yes. Okay. I don't even know how to process this information. Am, am I on mushrooms? Is, is it happening already? Like, like I really, I don't get it. How does the Oscar help Zelensky fight the war? Is he supposed to use it as a weapon? I mean, if that's the case, at least give him two so he can use them like nunchucks, like on a chain, you know? And it would be strange enough if you just gave him an Oscar to help win the war, but he wants Zelensky to return it? That was the weird part for me. He's like, make sure you bring this back to me. That's a lot of responsibility. The man is already running a war against Russia. Now he's got to make sure that nothing happens to Sean Penn's Oscar. It's like air raid sirens are going off. They're like, quickly, sir, quickly, everyone get to the bunker. He's like, I'm coming. I just need to find Sean Penn's Oscar. Ah, ah, he needs it back. He needs it back. The only way I think this could work is if Zelensky gave the Oscar to Putin, and then while Putin gave the acceptance speech, the, the music just played him off, and then he had to leave Ukraine. Oh, wait, I wasn't finished. Okay, good night. Goodbye, everybody. I actually hope that Zelensky is a fan of Sean Penn's movies. Because we don't know what else happened there. It might have gotten really awkward. You know? Sean Penn is like, here, I want you to have my best actor Oscar for milk. Yes, yes, one of my favorite films. I, I remember watching this and thinking, wow, that is a lot of milk. No way you can drink all that milk. Powerful story. Now, if we had more time, we could talk about the other major development in the war, which is that Russia was just forced into another embarrassing retreat from a major Ukrainian city, probably because they heard Ukraine has Sean Penn's Oscar now. But we don't have the time for that, because right now, the one thing being mismanaged worse than Putin's war is Elon Musk's website. Well, Twitter has officially debuted its verified blue check marks, and the feature is already causing a lot of confusion. Subscribers who pay the $8 monthly fee are now entitled to some additional perks, namely the blue check mark previously reserved for verified accounts. The problem is, some of those users are using their newly acquired verification to impersonate celebrities and other public figures. Someone pretending to be LeBron James tweeted, I am officially requesting a trade from the Lakers. An account that appeared to be from the pharmaceutical company Eli Lilly announced that all insulin would now be free. Meanwhile, a user impersonating George W. Bush declared, I miss killing Iraqis. 
and a fake account for Nintendo simply tweeted a picture of Mario giving the finger. <laughs> oh no! Because anyone can buy verification, they're now impersonating famous people. Who could have seen this coming? What? Everyone? Wow! Where were you guys 44 billion dollars ago? <laughs> Look, I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to be blunt here. Elon Musk is running Twitter into the ground. And it's the best Twitter's ever been. Are you kidding me? LeBron leaving LA, Mario flipping the bird, huh? George Bush telling us how he really feels. This thing is an absolute train wreck, and I'm here for it. The only reason we know that that wasn't the real Mario was because Mario would never flip someone the bird. He's Italian. Come on. Yeah, he'd probably do this, right? Or this. He's like, hey, Koopa, tell your mother I said hello, huh? <laughs> but who knows? Who knows? Maybe all of this verified, real, fake people on Twitter chaos is actually part of Elon's plan. Yeah, maybe this is what he's doing on purpose. Shoot, no one will know a real account from a fake account. And then he'll be like, guys, did you see someone impersonating me and spent $24 billion on Twitter? That was crazy. <laughs> well, I'm just going to take my money and be on my way. Okay, bye-bye now, bye-bye. Now, if we had the time, we could discuss how this verified fiasco isn't just hurting Twitter, it's also damaging Tesla's stock. Or we could definitely talk about how Rihanna just said on Twitter that she wanted me to perform with her at the Super Bowl. And no, it's not a fake account because she even asked for my social security number. But we don't have the time for any of that because while Twitter is faking celebrities, a real celebrity is in trouble for faking his life. Vogue is suing rappers Drake and 21 Savage for using a fake cover story to promote their new album, Her Law. So back in October, Drake shared what appeared to be a Vogue magazine cover featuring himself and 21 Savage with the caption, me and my brother on the newsstand tomorrow, thanking Vogue editors for their support. Well, apparently they did not like this because the publishers, they filed a complaint in federal court this week saying the stunt was infringement of the company's trademark. So far, no comment on the lawsuit from Drake or 21 Savage. That's right, Vogue is suing Drake and 21 Savage for $4 million for photoshopping themselves onto the cover of the magazine. Which, to be honest, I don't know if Vogue has a case here. You can clearly tell that this was a fake cover. I mean, Vogue lighting black people properly? This is clearly not real. Well, no, it's parody. But the beef is very real. The biggest name in magazines is going up against the biggest name in hip-hop. That's no joke. This hasn't happened since Tupac got shot by Reader's Digest. That shit was no game. Now, just for context, this Vogue cover wasn't the only fake promotion Drake and 21 Savage have been doing, right? He also released a, a fake interview with Howard Stern, a fake SNL performance, a fake appearance on NPR, like Tiny Desk, which is a little weird because he's Drake. He doesn't have to fake any of these things, you know? It's so weird to me. It's like, Drake, if you want to be on NPR, I'm pretty sure you can be on NPR. This would be like Obama photoshopping himself at a Buffalo Wild Wings, you know? He's <laughs> just like, oh, look, Michelle, it almost looks like I was actually there. How cool would that be? But oh, man, you're the president. You can go to a Buffalo Wild Wings. Ka 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 